hello. (laughs) And here we are. This is an exciting one, Uh, friends. I'm particularly excited. I don't know if I've talked about this person uh, on the podcast before, but certainly I've been talking about this person a lot. This is a person who's come into my life in the last six months and completely changed my life. And, and I don't mean that lightly. This is, uh, we have a guest on our podcast today that I am so excited that he is here. I'm so excited he exists on the planet. As Kristen will also affirm, he is very handsome and very cool and very awesome and probably one of the smartest people I know. Like really, um, I'm someone who comes from the background of Eastern meets new thought. And this person just takes it to a whole new level. So I am so excited without further ado. I like to create a little suspense at the beginning. Um, I am so excited to let you friends know that today on our podcast, we have Kai Van Bodhi, who is a pioneer in the field of holistic medicine, integrating ancient alchemy and modern neuroscience into a complete and accessible pathway of unlocking human potential. That's right, friends. He holds a master's degree in oriental medicine. He's also an incredible, insanely good teacher of meditation, tai chi, qigong, mind body. He's led me through many breathwork practices that have absolutely changed my life this man is a genius. And he spent 15 years studying with the masters in the East, learning learning the language. Yes, he does speak. It's Chinese, I think, he speaks. Yes. Um, and he, he became a total insider in the traditions of the East, often inaccessible to us over here in the West. And he's been taking these ancient technologies and infusing them with modern science for thousands of people myself included, and now you all, in live events, group coaching, one-on-one. And he actually discovered a powerful synergy, get this, friends, of ancient Taoist alchemy and modern biohacking neuroscience, realizing that the ancient alchemists were the earliest biohackers. It does not stop here. He works with high-achieving entrepreneurs and leaders and visionary game-changers to incorporate micro-doses of these practices in their busy lives for fulfillment, flow, and success on all levels. It's truly the most mind-body-spirit approach I've ever seen. It's incredible. Kai started his journey when, uh, when he was very young through the loss of a close family members, and he was driven to dive deep into the realm of alternative medicine and healing. And these events form the core of his love for his patients and clients and students, and he continues to infuse his work with a sense of family. And in the modern era where people's levels of overwhelm is on the rise, and specifically during this moment in our history, Kai has found a unique way to incorporate these ancient yet modern practices into bite-sized chunks that anyone can apply right away for a huge dividend in performance, peace of mind, and clean energy to carry them through the day. Ladies and gentlemen, my mentor, my wonderful human being, I can't wait to introduce you to, Kai! (laughs) Wow, Natalie, that that is by far the best reading of my biography that I have ever heard. And I I honestly want to thank you because I have never received that reflection of myself. You know, you, you write a bio, you have a copywriter, look at it, you edit it. And like, that's, that's, that's a peak moment for me right there. So thank you for 
giving that such a treatment. Well, if you would like, uh, also, because you know that I'm a wonderful actress, I'd be happy to do a dramatic reading for it. And I would love that. For you. I will, when, I'm, <laughs> when I'm lacking faith in myself, I will listen to it for a, for a, a punch of feel-good, confidence, neurotransmitters. So. <laughs> um, so I'm so excited, Kai, that you're here. Thank you so much for saying yes. I know that your schedule during this moment in time is super busy because you're showing up and surveying at a really high level because a lot of your wisdom is really important right now during COVID, during this time of isolation and uncertainty. And so um, I wanted to just start by asking you, really diving right in, what do you think this time is really all about? Well, I, I mean, I'll start out by saying I don't know. I wish I knew with absolute clarity what, what was going on. I wish I was one of those intuitives that had like the direct channel to some source of information. So I don't know, but I, I do have thoughts. And I think the first thought is around kind of this metaphor that, you know, people pay money to go away and meditate. People pay money to have a facilitator really put their their shadow and their stuff in their face through seminars. And I feel like right now, uh, just the nature of this whole COVID thing is that we are all being put through some kind of transformational experience if we choose it, because we there is nowhere to go. There's no certainty to cling on to. And so I do, I do think one thing that this is about is a pause. It's a pause and an opportunity to reflect on what's most important to us, on what if we didn't have this time and we kept just going on as if business was as usual, we might regret in, in three months or three years. And, you know, and then also we're stuck at home, many of us with families, where we, our relationships have lost polarity and lost intimacy, and we become these automatons trying to get things done and accomplish things. And so all of that is up for healing. And, and I acknowledge that it can be a heaven and a retreat, or it can be a hell, you know? And so it, it, it is like, it is whatever we're going to create it to be. And then the other part is, I, I can't help but see the beauty in, you know, being able to see the Himalayas from Kathmandu for the first time and the cities in China where I have a deep love for that very complicated and large country where pollution is just at an all-time low, how quickly it changes when we just stay in one location. So overall, I think it's an opportunity to reflect. It's an opportunity to not put things off into, the, into some future time, whether it's meditating or getting in shape or expressing our love for the people that we miss or that we're stuck with. I, it's an opportunity. Oh, that's beautiful. And what do you think, because we have in our community so many people who are incredible artists, incredible creators. They have so many gifts that they're here to give on the planet. And most of what we find people coming up against is just how do I take this thing that's inside of me and bring it forward. And so some of what I think has come up during this time is some people putting pressure on themselves to be somewhere they're not because they think they need to use this time to really express and create or not really maybe listening to the part in themselves that wants something different. So 
So what would you say to anyone who's just in that moment of how can I take this time and really use it for what my soul is telling me at once, which is going to be a little bit different for everybody? Well, so the system of peak performance that I've come to teach is called the pathway of power. And the, the first gate, I, I call these different pathways in which a human being either leaks energy or gains energy. And they're universal. It doesn't matter your religion or your gender or your sexual orientation. Gates, these gates go both ways. We either, you know, so the things we eat, right, and how we breathe and where we put our attention, all of these things have the potential to help us or hinder us in our life, even if we're unaware of them. And what I learned from working with some of my teachers is that the first gate and the most important gate is what I call the shadow gate. And so how does this relate? It's like we, we all come into the world having to bend ourselves to our family of origin. And we get, we get there are moments where our parents, our teachers fall short. There are moments where we get bullied. There are moments where we drop our, our lunch tray in front of the whole cafeteria. And, and yet, there is no class in school or high school to unwind those traumas. And so we can spend our whole lives, our whole careers, trying to compensate for these original wounds or traumas. And I call that all that work shadow work. And one of the things I say, which relates to what your, your audience may want to do in the pause here, is... The, the foundation of peak performance, which is to say the foundation of whatever you want to accomplish in your life, starts with a space and time in your life, in your world, to, like Humpty Dumpty, fall apart. We all deserve a person and a safe space to fall apart, to not know, to be in doubt and fear and shame and guilt, and to express it and get it out of our body so it doesn't become disease. So it doesn't become overcompensation. So it doesn't damage our romantic relationship. So it doesn't screw us up on our, when, we, when we're auditioning. And what I find is that a lot of the people that I coach, I am that space. I am that safe container for them to be vulnerable and, uh, and, and to let go of all of those negative emotions and feelings and just give them an expression. And then they borrow from me the permission to give themselves that permission. And so I think the first thing I would suggest is like, before you try to figure out how to bring your art forward, make sure you have some safe space to really discharge, express, cathart those negative emotions with love, not to push them away. They, they have a teaching for us. And, and, and the beauty is when we're really good at that, as Natalie, you may be able to attest to, they only take seconds to minutes. To, to fully scream into a pillow, uh, to hit a punching bag, to yell into your arm, whatever it is, it, it, to jog, to run, to dance, to dance with the whole body and, and all the energy centers. Like all of those things are so easy, but we got to find the privacy, the space, and sometimes the person to hold the space for us. And Kai, I'm curious, how did you come to this work? What, what is your story? What was going on with you that led you on this journey to discover these tools? So, I mean, every time that question gets asked for me, I don't know where to start. But I can tell you one place it started was laying on my mother's bed 
she had this big, this is when TVs were like a giant box, you know, they were like three feet deep, you know, and it was up above the, the, the um, bedroom in the wall in a big hole in the wall. And I'm laying there on my mom's bed and there is a, uh, a Shirley MacLaine uh, TV special where she plays this character that gets cancer and she goes somewhere outside of LA to this Asian person's like garden and she's out in like a bamboo pagoda and she's getting acupuncture and there's smoke coming off the needle. It's called moxibustion. And I saw that and I said to my mom, what is that? And she said, oh, that's acupuncture. And I said, does it work? And she said, I don't know. And I just remember I was probably eight or nine years old in my mind. I said, yes, it does. It does work. In my mind, I was like, that works. I don't know what that is, but it works and I love it. So to make a long story short, that was like my earliest experience. And then after college, my mother and brother both had diseases that Western medicine couldn't treat. And I really, I really wanted to help them, but they just weren't really open to the youngest brat son's, you know, smart ass ideas about alternative medicine. I didn't have any, I didn't have any authority in their world. Um, so I worked with troubled youth for a couple years at risk youth as a wilderness therapist. And, and then after an experience with that, I moved to China. Um, and that, that experience is kind of interesting. It's like, um, I had one student in this wilderness camp therapy camp that I would drive him once a week to, uh, substance abuse counseling. And he, he was addicted to cannabis. And every time he, he complained the whole way there, 40-minute drive in the car from the wilderness camp, and he would complain the whole way back. And one night he comes out of his therapy. I would just wait at a coffee shop and do other reading or whatever. He comes out and he is so relaxed and chilled out. And I'm like, I'm like did, you, did you smoke tonight? Uh, what happened? Did you get a joint or something on the way out? I'm like, you can tell me. I won't get you in trouble, but I need to know. And he goes, no, this, there was a guest teacher tonight. And they put needles in my ear. And I felt just like when I spoke cannabis, I felt the same way. And I was just like, oh my goodness, this stuff really works. Like it really works. So anyway, I moved to China and, and there's a whole other chapter there. But the long and the short was my family guided me uh, in, in my desire to help my family and have some kind of power over health problems that Western medicine just had no answer for. Mm, wow. Like that healing impulse in you was like there from the beginning and, and wanting to get out. But I love that, like that part of you as a little boy who saw that and was connected to the Eastern healing from the very beginning. There, there's that knowing in you that just knows. Yeah. I, and I, I, I don't know where it came from. I would go to the beach in New Jersey, the, a very unconscious place that my friends group. And I would go out to, in the early morning in the waves and I'd pretend to do Tai Chi. I didn't take Tai Chi class. I, I saw it in movies, and, but I would just go in the waves and I would pretend that I knew what I was doing. So I, I you know, yeah, it was in me from a very early time. Yeah. Mm. And part of what we always are talking to people about is really being a detective inside of yourself to, to see that there are things that light you up. There are things that turn you on. There are things that are tr always trying to get your attention. And it's like, those are, those are little charms or little clues to saying like, Hey, this is, this is part of what you're here for. And so it's going to call you in like a lot of different ways. And with many artists, 
there's that same desire and something happens as we continue to bend to culture, society, or family expectations, where you allow yourself to get more and more disconnected from those inner yearnings and those inner charms, those inner excitements, because they're not what you think are responsible or what's realistic or what's possible even. And so I think a lot of people turn off their access to even having that wisdom. Yeah. I mean, I mean, this, this is really, this is such a beautiful dialogue because if, if I pull away the neuroscience peak performance aspect of my work, my work is rooted in Taoism and, and Taoist, Taoist practice. These guys were really earth scientists. They, they were, the temples are not a temple. They're called an observatory. They were meditating on health and look, looking at the relationship of like biodynamic farming and breathing techniques. They were very, very empirical. And the foundation, very different from a lot of our, our Western Christian upbringing, that's part of our culture, even if we don't associate with those religions, it's just part of it. And what, what I love about the Taoist idea is that at our core – we are divine. We are at our core. We are natural. We are intuitive. We are powerful. And what happens in life as we're raised up is layer upon layer upon layer of, of conditioning gets put on us. And then the goal of the Taoist is to peel that onion back to our original nature. And so they say in, in Taoist learning, every day something is unlearned. You know, judgments are unlearned. Self-limiting beliefs are unlearned. You know, the idea that we have to struggle is unlearned. And my life is a constant laboratory. And I'll be, you know, to, in total transparency. Some days I'm I'm winning, and some days I'm I'm losing the effortless action battle of like, how do I do less and create more value and have more time with my family and more time in nature and more time to meditate? And some days it's imbalanced in the wrong way, and some some weeks I'm, I'm hitting that sweet spot. And, you know, so I'm just, yeah, inviting us all into that conversation. Like what is the next limiting belief that we're ready to let go of? Like, where can it be easier? Mm. Uh, that's what Kristen and I've been talking about all the time recently of where, where does it want to be easier? Where does it want to feel more connected to nature, to play, to um, you know, following that little spark inside of yourself and where does it want to feel less like hustle and where you think you're supposed to get or who you think you're supposed to be. Yeah. And I love looking to nature who has all of the clues, who's there trying to guide us the entire time on who we are and what our essential nature is. Um, it's really exciting that you come from that Taoist philosophy. And I love what you're saying about creating a life where your practices are core and then the effortless action that comes out of that. Yeah. I mean, there, there's, there's the, there's the paradox too. Like the original Chinese text where this idea of effortless action shows up is it, it's, it's actually way Wu way. So effort, non-effort. Hmm. Right, which is which is then I I map this over to neuroscience, and it's like, how do we learn anything to become like? How do we become a great actor or a great artist? There are ten thousand hours of of practice, 
And then at some point, you're so unconsciously competent that you can just be open and flow and the part comes through you or the art comes onto the canvas. And a lot of people don't want to put in those 10,000 hours. And the, the next part though, is the, 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 uh, you know, the, the holographic nature of this is the next question is how do you make the 10,000 hours as blissful as possible as well? Like, it's not like work super hard. Yeah, there's effort and repetition, but you're not going to stick with it unless it's fun and you're rewarding yourself. So then it's like, how do I make my Kung Fu practice fun? How do I bring variety into it? Oh, can I do it on a mountaintop? Oh, can I do it in a stream, in the water, on slippery rocks? Oh, now there's variety, but I'm working the same bodily mechanics that I'm programming in on the next deeper level that are going to allow me to be a better healer when my hands are on someone on the table. I'm going to feel that water running in my feet and it's going to become an energy flow through my body into, the, into my client. But that's because of that hour I spent in the stream. Like I can call on water now as a, as a visceral experience in, my, in a flow. I, I didn't sit in a cave and visualize my feet in water. Like that would be the hard way to do it. I went to the stream and stood in the stream and did my practice. So anyway, things like that. How can we make it more effortless, more fun, reward ourselves more? And something that we've been talking a lot about is the practices themselves. And you were saying something brilliant earlier that I, I know uh, we would love to have shared with the audiences. What practices are we willing to abandon? <laughs> How easy is it to abandon certain ones? Why do we make that? Stephen Pressfield, who's, who's one of our favorite authors uh, for writers, he talks about you, you always do the urgent thing, not the important thing. And the important thing is like what your soul is here to do, like how your soul wants to express itself, but you're too busy, like, you know, answering that next email or doing the next urgent thing to actually make space for what your soul is here to practice. Uh, would you mind sharing what you were sharing with us about that earlier? Yeah, well, I mean, that, that's, a, that's like uh, some of the work I do is men's work. And, you know, one of the things that David Data teaches, this great men's work teacher, is that a man, especially men, but I think everybody, that no matter if you're stuck in a cubicle and doing some job that's sucking your soul, devote every day 45 minutes to the thing you love. Find a way to do the thing you love for 45 minutes. Joseph Campbell, the great, uh, very influential uh, expert on mythology who influenced Star Wars and brought the hero's journey into Hollywood, his, his thing is that we all deserve a bliss station. We deserve an altar in our home where we are surrounded by the things that bring us the greatest joy, whether it's reading or whether it's meditation or movement or cooking or cooking that we, we deserve every day. If we make a deposit in the bliss station, it, and we can do the neuroscience of it, deep play and what it does with cold logic. I can explain it all in the scientific vernacular, but the bottom line is part of our practices gets to be something that is not dependent on any other human being is accessible within our living space or just outside of it. And that we, when we do this for 30 to 45 minutes, we feel more energized than before we started. It will make everything else, even those things that you've considered to be urgent, uh, it'll make them less urgent and more, more efficient. And so, you know, two, two places that I think, uh, have been my growth is watching myself be in a stressed out, you know, shit hits the fan kind of situation 
and abandoning my practices, turning my back on my practice, essentially sitting in a cage when I know I have the keys to get out of the cage. And then just starting to decide that I don't, I don't, just, I don't choose to do that anymore. And that's in combination with when I discovered like vinyasa yoga and I have a favorite uh, chain or, or school. And when I go to their 60 minute class, it is a great return on investment every time, but it's 15 minutes to get out the door and get to the studio. It's an hour class. And then I got to shower and then I got to get back. It's a two hour investment. And how many days do I not do that? Because I don't have two hours. So the other piece is I started to Using, using the neuroscience literature, I started to cook down breath work, meditation, stretching into five-minute minimum effective dosage where I would feel a massive change in my consciousness. And what happens is when you know that that, that medicine is five minutes away or 10 minutes or max 15, you are less willing to hang out in the prison, in your own prison cell when you know the keys are that easy to use. And I think what blocks a lot of people and, and the mindset shift I have to create for people is that it doesn't take a 90-minute yoga class or a, a weekend meditation retreat. The whole point of that is you can use it where you are when you need it. I call it quick and dirty. Sometimes we need the quick and dirty meditation. We need the quick and dirty yoga practice. We don't have the pristine roll out the Lululemon mat on the bamboo floor with the mirror and the Spotify playlist from our favorite team. We don't have all that shit. We just have the cubicle or the car or the park. That's all we've got. And that's all you need. And yeah. So, so yeah, just, just really leaning into your practices right now is a great idea. Um, Kai, I would love it. If you talked a bit about your men's work, I I'm so called, especially during this time, it seems that something that comes up in conversation a lot is um, men's ability to, access their feelings and how there's just something that's coming up in culture where there wants to be like a, a healing with men and how they communicate and they bond and they are in their togetherness and, and, and really healing work with men. Because I feel like um, often you go to a yoga class, it's filled with, with women, right? Often you go to a spiritual center <laughs> packed with women. And, but there's some, it feels like there's something that's occurring right now in men's healing. And I would love for you to talk about what you see. Wow. I mean, it's such a broad subject and I want to give an acknowledgement. Like I've always been doing men's work. And then more recently I have been working with uh, David Mailer and man on fire as both a, a, a receiver of that wisdom and a coach um, in the organization. And I owe a great debt of, like my current romantic relationship and my current growth as a man to that organization. Um, what I'll say previously and what's part of the system that I've been teaching is what I call the mask. That is what our, most of our men are wearing. And that mask is a acronym for masturbation, alcohol, sugar, caffeine, and cannabis. So it's M-A-S-C squared. And the reason I say that is because I've had a relationship with every one of those things and there are times where it's celebratory and beautiful and part of the human experience. And there are times where it is threatening to rob me of everything that's important in my life. And, and to bring us back to the men's work, I think that most men learn to use some form of numbing behavior to 
to deal with the emotions that they don't feel permission to express. You know, and then I think the, the other piece as we evolve as humanity is like, now we do have long haired new age men who are almost too spirited. They've got a, a deeply developed feminine aspect. Um, but they sometimes lack the backbone and the, pol- the polarity and the masculinity that is needed of them to be leaders or to protect and hold space for the feminine to really be in flow and vulnerability and expression. And then we've got women who have had to take on, uh, because of maybe irresponsible fathers or family situations, they've had to take on a more masculine energy to function in the world and achieve their goals. And I, I believe where we're at now, there's definitely more fluidity in the roles, but at least my perspective is the men still need to learn to be men. They need to learn to have that will of, of, of their boundary and of that fierce presence to protect. And they deserve a space to fall apart and cry and be feminine and be fully seen in those emotions. And so, yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to say other than I think men get stuck in their heads and they fall into their addictions. And that's their way of handling uh, their emotional life. And, it, and it, it's, 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 a, it's a high cost. It's a very high cost. And I, I think men are being called into leadership now where um, they're being called into realizing that they deserve support more than ever before. They deserve to have a coach and a mentor. They deserve to have safe space because the other piece is it's not ideal for uh, the, the, sorry, my opinion, it's not ideal, especially for the man to have his romantic partner always be the safe space because sometimes certain types of partnerships, the, the, the partner will not be able to recover from seeing the man destabilized. They will feel unsafe and they'll withdraw into a a, a trauma shell. And so the men really need other men to be able to to sharpen each other, to hold each other. We need way more man-to-man affection, hugging, touching, way more. And those men will then be better for their partnerships. And of course, outside of male-female roles, this works in in, in, um, gay and lesbian relationships as well because you need polarity. So there's usually different people wearing different hats at different times. And so it, it applies equally to them, you know, to those other kinds of, of blended relationships. Mm, yeah. It feels like there's such a call right now in all of our relationships, almost our relationship with the world, our relationship with nature, our relationship with each other, regardless of the sex. There's just this call of a deep healing of what relationships really look like. And that a lot of the containers of relationship that we have built actually not healthy or they've been built as a result of a compensation to bending or various traumas and wounds yeah yeah and 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 like like circling back around this pause that we're in right now like it's it's gonna you're either gonna become more conscious and start to be aware and transmute and integrate or you're gonna go deeper into escape and, and numbing. I think that's the challenge of this time. There's more stress. Um, you know, you know, uh, Natalie, like I shared in the, uh, in the training, um, we all have a channel of our productivity of, of our, of our, our experience of life as, a, as being productive. And that channel is governed by many things, but two of the main ones are the balance between the challenge of the situation and our skill. 
right? And what's happened with COVID is for most of us, the level of challenge of uncertainty has risen. And therefore, our our productivity channel has shifted. And it's going to be harder for some people to maintain productivity, optimism, motivation, because there's so much uncertainty and fear in the collective consciousness right now. And what that means on the other side is the skill we most need now is self-care, is you know managing our nervous system so that we can make choices that really nobody can make the choices for us. We, we really have to make our own choices right now. Mm. So. And Kai, what would you say, I know that there's a member of our community who just recently posted about just feeling that after six weeks of this situation, like the depression has finally hit or the anxiety has finally gotten to that next level. Almost like maybe at first everyone thought, oh, it's, it's going to be temporary. It's, you know, and, and I know that you've talked about that there's different stages of processing this moment and we're going to go in and out of all of our own processing at different times. But what would you say in terms of the conversation around self-care, but also around things like deep depression and anxiety coming up again for people where maybe they thought it was under control or they haven't had that experience in a while, but this moment in time is starting to bring that to life again. Yeah. I mean, so the first is to face it and feel it like to really like, there's a difference between like, I'm anxious and I'm, I'm depressed and like a really good cry, a diaphragmatic cry where you're really like, because like those thoughts about it are like, I feel it, I repress it, I turn it into verbal language versus yelling, screaming, crying. That's a full discharge of the energy. So that's, that's number one. Number two, you know, and this could be a little controversial, but you know, this whole idea of chemical imbalances and depression Yes, absolutely. The food we eat, the supplements we take, that has an effect. And people's brain chemistry can be predisposed to depression. Okay, so let's hold that position, right? Not make it super solid, but hold it. Now, on the other side, every thought you think produces a neurochemical reaction. If you think over and over and over again a negative thought, you are giving yourself a depressive chemical experience that is that is just simple brain chemistry if you start to think a positive thought and you start to change your posture and you start to move your body i'm not discounting your pre uh your predilection or your your genetic influence what i'm saying is the power still in your hands to choose a different thought in that moment like 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 no no blame or shame or burden but but an opportunity like we think 100,000 thoughts a day, 95 to 99% of them are the same thoughts. Do, why don't we have a practice or how could we have a practice where we choose some of those thoughts, like consciously, like thoughts we want to have? Mm. So, so the next thing is just keep moving. The exercise and movement is a way to produce, uh, get us out of stagnation. You know, supplementing is big. So accept it, face it, feel it. Move your body after you've honored the emotion with the sound and, you know, move your body in a way that will produce feel-good neurotransmitters, you know, and then dial in your nutrition and your supplementation to set you up for success, to give you that unfair advantage in the opposite direction. Like right now, I have serotonin, GABA, and dopamine supplements that are awesome. They're all natural. 
And they're just setting us up to win in our family right now. They're just raising the baseline of like feeling comfortable in our own skin just by giving us the foundational nutritional uh, substrate or building blocks of those feel good neurotransmitters. Mm. Yeah. Cold showers are a great antidepressant, you know? So. Yeah. yeah. And Kai and I actually had an experience of this yesterday where I sent Kai a message and I was like, Hey, I'm noticing something's coming up for me with my breathing. And he was like, cool, let's look at it. Let's, let's feel exactly what it is. Let's notice where in the body it, exactly it is. It's like, let's write about all the feelings that feel associated with it. And then you gave me this really powerful practice of I laid down and I did some really kind of aggressive breath work around it. And I really got present to where the block was. And I, it got so specific. It was, like, it was like a very specific place just on the right side of my upper chest. And, and it was just this one little spot in my body that all of that feeling and everything isolated in. And we just stuck with it. We breathed all the way into it. We screamed into the pillow about it. And literally my entire body within, I would say, 10 minutes of doing this practice fell into the deepest sleep. I woke up a half hour later and I could breathe completely normally. And this was after about 24 hours of really having a difficult time getting a deep breath, knowing there was obviously some anxiety there, but not being able to place it. But the practice took us immediately into it. And then as Kai, as you framed it for me, which I thought was great, was like the win of then getting my body into rest and digest on the other side of fully processing it. Yeah. And Natalie, you, you, you were willing to do the work. You were willing to sit with the discomfort. You know, and I, I also this is part of what I'm a big stand for is mindfulness training, which is very popular, is awesome. It's amazing. And uh, I have a more like I, the word. I love that you said aggressive. I don't know if that's my favorite word, but <laughs> the, the idea is like, yeah, we, we the first step is, is noticing, observing, accepting, locating it investigating it where does it live what color is it how big how small and then ultimately the place where i deviate from traditional mindfulness is then i do believe you should direct healing resources into the area like this isn't bypassing or repression this is like i've felt it i've found it i allow it i accept and i acknowledge that i'm feeling anxious or scared now i'm going to send prana chi oxygenated blood into the area and what i believe would happen if everyone did that is there would be a massive reduction in cancer and heart attacks and all those things because those things and we are we are and probably you know with some of the guests on this podcast we are just a few years away from science absolutely saying that those emotional traumas become the cancer they become the heart attack it, it's like we're right there that i can almost say with scientific validity that emo- unresolved emotional trauma becomes disease. It, that f- some people are already there, but I'm telling you that the, the, the science is almost there. And mm-hmm. all we need to do to avoid the surgeon's knife for that scary diagnosis is to, like you did, Natalie, listen to the discomfort before it has to get louder and louder and louder. So, Yeah, and I want to say what was really powerful for that for me, because so many people have even reflected to me 
well, no matter what I do, the pattern never changes, or I do all the work, or I read all the books, or I listen to all the podcasts, or I, you know, I do all the yoga retreats, but my stuff is always there and nothing ever changes. But I have to say in the kind of work that we've been doing together, and it goes back to what you were saying about the value of someone to hold a higher space for you and a bigger space for you. Uh, that isn't necessarily your partner, that's in a coaching position, that what has always been my pattern is the anxiety has to run its course all the way into like full-on blowout, disproportionate emotional response to something or someone. And then the relief is on the other side of it. And through this kind of work, it's been the first time where we can actually stop the pattern. Stop the pattern, create a new pattern in real time. And so I, I know from my own experience of the work that we've been doing together just for a few months of how, how much it works and how much we can actually have power to change ourselves. I, I believe that so, so fervently. Yeah. And that, that's the gift that I want to, like, if I had a legacy, the gift that I want to give the world is that there are a handful of practices that take just a few hours to really get proficient in that when you have them, like this is my line, I say it all the time, your best self is never more than five to 15 minutes away. That's the short game. When you learn a breathwork practice and you have absolute mastery of it, when you learn a few different ways that your body likes to exercise, when you learn ways to cathart these negative emotions, you, you always can make a change and course correct. And I believe that's, I think that's where we're headed. I mean, like all these wearable devices that are biofeedback oriented, they're never going to be better than hand, getting our hands on our body, noticing those subtle disruptions in our breath, you know, like those are, and the, and the best is that it's, it's, you know, it may cost something to train in them, but then once you've got them, they're there for life. Yeah. And, and Natalie, I think that's the other piece is like, I went through the similar I did, a, I did so many trainings in NLP, which is what Tony Robbins uses. It's what they use to create Super Bowl commercials that influence people. Um, I did every energy healing training all before I went to China. And there were a lot of times that I was like, I did landmark. Like, when am I done? Like, when do I not have any more shit? And then what I realized was that whereas in the past, like if, if, if there's a vertical access and that's my core wound, my lessons for this life, it, without those practices, I was just going in a circle at the same level of consciousness. But with all of that landmark in China and Tai Chi and acupuncture and breathwork, I'm going on an upward staircase around them. But guess what? They're always there. The wound is the gift. It's just that I have a much, I'm like dancing with it. I'm appreciating it. I'm grateful that I lost my family members and it, it developed these attributes of compassion and desire to learn. Um, you know, I just start to have more love even for my own issues. Mm. Yeah, that's it. I love loving your own issues and developing a different kind of relationship with them. Like Natalie, as if you were, as you were talking about, we're healing all these different kinds of relationships. We're also healing that relationship we have with our sacred wound. Kai, thank you so much for being with us today. And thank you for bringing all of your wisdom. Just been wonderful to hear you. I was like taking notes throughout the entire conversation. Um, and if people want to come find you and learn about who you are and how you coach and your teachings, how do they find you? Yeah, there's two ways. One, I mean, I have a website called the uh, www.pathwayofpower.com. 
And it's of power because the practices are the path. There's no destination. It's not the pathway to power. And then also I have a Facebook group uh, where that, I, that I'm, I'm, I'm about to open. I've said that there's almost 500 people waiting to get in there um, where I will be doing a lot of free content and, and really giving people uh, a support. It's called the Pathway of Power Dojo. And if you search that on Facebook, that group will come up. And that's basically for creatives and high-performing individuals to get the practices they need to show up at their best no matter what's going on around them. So, um, yeah, so those are two places to find me. Mm. Kai, I'm so grateful. Personally, I'm so grateful for you and the impact you've had on my life uh, in the time that I've known you, and I can't wait to continue working with you. I'm so grateful to introduce you to our audience. I know that there's a lot of gifts in what you've already shared, and I know that people will come and follow you and receive so much wisdom and support from you. And so we're so, so grateful. We'll make sure that our audience on our Facebook page has all the links to how to find you. And uh, we're so grateful for your time. We really value you. Uh, this has been a blast. I would love to do, if, if, it's in, if it's in the cards, I'd love to do a part two and we can do some breathing. Um, or if you yeah. just want to bring me on in the Facebook group, I would love to give your, your tribe an experience of how quickly they can change their state. And so just let me know when and if you want to do that. Yes. Oh, yes to all of that. Thank so you, Kai. Exciting. Thank so you, Kai. Um, we love you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your service. Kristen, you look very pretty today. Thank you, Natalie. I appreciate it. And I can't get enough of your glasses. <laughs> Kai, these are my blue light the getting rid I know. Of glasses. I know. My, mine are ridiculous. <laughs> They're like, I feel like I'm in like a Top Gun movie. Oh, oh, you totally are. You just ridiculous. became like a fighter pilot. I know. I love it. I know. Oh, but then the, I see the, the ring light reflects in them, yeah, I so know. I, I haven't figured it out yet. I, I know. So yeah, you can see the green in mine, but whatever. Yeah. Live and learn. Um, we love you, Kai. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to doing this again, and I'll talk to Definitely. you soon. Thank you so much for listening. We love to feel like we have friends all over the world in you who are committed to doing their dream on the planet. And if you like this podcast and you want to find out more about what we're doing, who we are, our pop-up classes, our online classes, you can check all of that out at thecreateseries.com. And if you want to be part of our Facebook community, you can go to the Create Community page. That's C, period, R, period, E, period, A, period, T, period, E, period, community. And if you loved this podcast, why not share it with a friend? 